0: Good afternoon to all my Facebook friends and my Facebook family. It's wonderful to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon in April of 2021. Glad to see you and glad to be a part of a Bible study that looks at God's Word and tries to help us see that Word and how it applies for us in our lives. We've been going through the book of Colossians over the last several weeks, have about two more weeks to go on that this week and next week, And we've also been looking at the Gospel of Mark on Sunday afternoons on Facebook and on my Facebook page. Uh, We see that as well. And so I hope that you've been able to take advantage of some of those studies. And I hope that you are able to uh, uh, be challenged and helped and encouraged uh, as we go through God's Word together. Uh, if you miss some of these, that's okay. We have them on our westerwin.com website under social media and other resources. And Click on the uh, live streaming page and then click on video archives and you can see all kinds of lessons on there including some of our previous most recent worship assemblies. We had 336 in our worship assembly on Easter Sunday this past Sunday and it was a wonderful blessing. To be together each week, it seems we see more and more people that we haven't seen in a long time and that's a great blessing. We also know that there are some who are not comfortable quite yet coming back and that's okay. Uh, we're glad and appreciate so much the blessing of online technology so that we can remain connected and folks can continue to worship and to study and to learn and to grow uh, with uh, God's family at West Irwin Church of Christ. Uh, As I said, we are in the book of Colossians in this study on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. And uh, today we find ourselves in chapter 4. This is the last chapter of the book of Colossians. And uh, it starts out with uh, finishing up the last uh, section in verse 1. But in verse 2 it has a short segment of just a few little quick hits. And primarily the quick hits revolve around prayer. They revolve around uh, watching for God to open doors for us. The Apostle Paul prayed regularly and asked for others to pray for him, and he does that here in Colossians 4 as well, that he might be able to see the doors that Christ is opening for him and to be willing to go through them for the sake of uh, the gospel. So I have to ask you this question first as we begin. Have you ever had a door closed in your face? Maybe you have. It may have been a, uh, perhaps you had a sales job at one time or another, and that was uh, uh, something you did. Perhaps it was uh, someone that you were trying to talk to about the Lord or about something else. And uh, and it's no fun having a door uh, closed in your face. Uh, that is for sure. It's much more fun to be able to Uh, talk to individuals and to be able to enjoy great relationships. Facebook has opened a lot of doors for us to be able to remain connected with people that we love so much. And I see one of my uh, middle daughters signing in, my Ashley K. Passo, and I, it just brings a smile to my face whenever I think of you, and I love you so much, and we miss you and your family so very much, uh, but it's wonderful to have you joining us. We'll have some others that may say hello along the way, but I had to give a shout out to my Ashley K. Passo because I love her so much. Um, But you you talk about those relationships that remain open and it takes a little bit of effort uh, to do that. It takes some means of connection and, of course, social media has been wonderful uh, for that. Uh, Being able to email or text message, all of those things are wonderful ways to remain connected when you are not able to be be, uh, one-on-one in person visiting with each other and that's a great, uh, great blessing. Um, but, again, sometimes uh, you try and reach out and you get the door slammed in your face. Um, perhaps you've experienced that in a figurative sense um, because of some relationship issues or friendship issues or other issues and perhaps you've even had it happen to you in a very literal way um, when you wanted to speak to someone about the gospel of Christ and they basically cut you off. and. Shut the door uh, on that discussion. Of course, our Lord Jesus Christ knows what it's like to have that happen to him. Even from an infant, from a young baby, uh, he knew what that was like as his family uh, was seeking to um, find a place for him to be born when He was, when his parents were uh, in Judea for the census, just at the time that he was about to be born. And there was no room in the inn, as the saying goes, as we've heard. And, and they finally found a place. And, uh, and that's a great, great blessing of uh, the Father's provision for them. We know that in his ministry, he had a lot of doors closed on him. There were the, the Jewish uh, leaders who continued to turn away from him and his word and his teaching and his life. Uh, we see individuals like the man that we refer to as the rich young ruler who wanted to uh, follow Jesus, it seems, and was willing to do that until he realized how much it would cost him. And then he went away uh, sorrowful. Um, and we realize that um, that happened a lot for Jesus and it happened a lot for his disciples, even to the point to where um, people uh, violently opposed the word of the Lord and the spreading of the gospel. And um, and and Jesus warned us that uh, that could happen, but he also warned us that there would be great opportunities. And he called on us, as you know, from the Great Commission. And do you know what that is? Do you know where that is? I was reading an article recently. It could have been from Barna or from someone uh, who was talking about how uh, so many who claim to be Christians today don't really know what the Great Commission is. Certainly wouldn't know where to find it in the Bible. And I, I am, I, as a preacher, I'm embarrassed by that. And so a little test today. Where is the Great Commission? What is the Great Commission? And there are many passages we could talk about. Mark 16, Luke 24, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Perhaps the one that's the most familiar is uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. There is that sense where, uh, where Jesus commissions us in a great way, hence the Great Commission, to take his message throughout the world. Well, he provides the way for us. He promised his presence in that passage in Matthew uh, 28, verses 18 through 20, saying he would be with us always. But in addition to just his presence, he also gives us opportunities. He opens doors for us. But I believe we have to be watching, and I believe we have to be watching in prayer. And that's what Colossians 4 seems to say. Uh, But it's understandable that we realize that Not every door is going to remain open for us. Uh, One person writes this, of course, as we step out in faith and start talking about Jesus, we have to realize we'll encounter both spiritual hostility and spiritual hunger. There may not be persecution, but we're in a culture of growing hostility to to Christianity. Many people really don't like the gospel. Um, Sometimes they express that politely, he writes, sometimes not politely at all, but they don't like it. That shouldn't really surprise us. Uh, Think how incendiary, he writes, much of what we believe is, how, how it causes anger and difficulty in some people. We believe Jesus is the only way to know God. We believe the cross is the only way to be forgiven, and I believe that. We believe that one day everyone will be judged, I believe that also. So if you're going to talk to people about Jesus, he writes, you're going to get hurt. Well, Jesus himself said that in John 16, verse 33, I mentioned this passage a lot in my teaching and preaching these days, where Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, you might have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Well, we know that he overcame the world by dying on the cross. It wasn't exactly a victory as worldly measures would would measure it, but it was a victory in eternal consequences with Jesus overcoming sin and death through his own death and then ultimately through his resurrection that so much of the world celebrated this, uh, this past Sunday on Easter Sunday that we celebrate every single Sunday uh, as we meet together to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, through the Lord's Supper, and also through meeting and worshiping as a church together. Um, We're called upon to uh, be willing to accept that there will be trouble, but Jesus told us those things, and he told his disciples that, and it was just before he was taken away from them in John 16, where he said that in verse 33, and he said that, I've told you these things so that you might have peace. Peace in Scripture doesn't mean the absence of conflict. Peace in Scripture means knowing that the presence of Christ is there, whether there's conflict or not, and that he will see us through that. Uh, Jesus opens these doors for us to be his witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, You will be my witnesses, beginning right where you are, for the disciples there, that was in Jerusalem, in the surrounding areas, for them that was Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And he calls on us to do the same. And he empowers us to be able to do the same. And he opens doors of opportunity. For us to be able to share his word. And so with that in mind. Let's read Colossians chapter 4. Verses 2 through 6. We'll be talking about this passage today. And also on Thursday afternoon. Uh, but first of all. Colossians chapter 4. Verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and and thankful. And pray for us too, Paul writes, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation or conduct be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Again, we'll be looking at these verses today and on Thursday and I want us to begin today with that great first verse, Colossians 4 verse 2. It's one of those verses kind of like Colossians 3.17 that we've talked about that could be a theme verse. It, It is a very succinct way of calling us to be active in doing certain things. It's much like another passage we'll mention in a few minutes, Romans 12 verse 12 that we talked about. Uh, this past Sunday, here in verse 2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And so he first tells us that we're to be devoted to that. It's not just something that we give lip service to. It's something that we are actually very devoted to. We are constantly in prayer. A verse that we'll mention in a moment says, pray without ceasing, pray constantly. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. Here he says, be devoted in prayer being watchful and thankful. All three of those things, prayerfulness, watchfulness, thankfulness, or gratitude, are significant here. Uh, And and it's because we're devoted to those things. We have a a commitment, uh, a real, live commitment to doing that and to being uh, a part of those things. So let's take a look at a few of these. First of all, that idea of being watchful. Being watchful in prayer, it it kind of implies being aware, uh, watching for things to happen that you're hoping to happen, that you're prayerful would happen. Well, are you actually looking for them to happen? I think it's kind of funny that sometimes we Christians, and I include myself in this, we'll pray long and hard for something and then when it happens we're surprised. That's kind of a a little bit of of an accusation against just exactly how faithful are we when we seem to be surprised when, when Jesus actually answers our prayers and God provides a way for us to have that open door. And yet we're called upon to be watchful, to watch. Um, As we're looking in chapter in uh, the book of Mark on Sunday afternoons on our Facebook study at 4 p.m. This coming Sunday we're in Mark chapter 13 and like Matthew 24 and Luke 21 um, Mark 13 talks about that time when uh, God will bring judgment on the earth probably the first part talking about judgment upon his people the Jews and Jerusalem in particular Uh, The temple, the great temple that uh, would be, had been renovated and rebuilt through the work of Herod and now, uh, just as Solomon's temple was hundreds of years before, would be destroyed uh, by the enemies of God's people that took place in AD 70 uh, at the hands of the Roman army. Uh, And then there's also some in those chapters, Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, about the coming of Christ, and in all of that Jesus doesn't answer the questions of when are these things going to happen. The disciples want to know that, we want to know that, but that's not what question Jesus answers. Rather, he answers the question of what is going to happen and how should you be ready and how should you live your life accordingly. If you really believe that that tomb is empty, as we all said we believe this past Sunday, Well, what is different in your life because of that? If you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if you really believe that he's coming again, what is different in your life? What are your values? Are you watching for him to return? And by watching, I don't mean stopping everything you're doing and looking up to the heavens. (laughs) I guess you could do that. But watchfulness in scripture means just being ready, living your life according to the word and will of the Father, so that when that day does come, when that return does happen, when that trumpet does sound, um, it'll be okay. You won't be afraid. You won't have to worry because you have been watching. That's what this scripture says. Be devoted and to prayer, uh, being watchful, and being thankful. Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25 told lots of stories about being watchful. Um, and they ask him, you know, when is this going to happen? He says, well, it's. It's kind of like the man, you know, who uh, uh, was uh, about to get his house robbed. He said, you know, if he knew when the thief was coming, he'd be ready. He would watch, but he doesn't know. So he's prepared all the time. And in the same way, Jesus says, you need to be prepared all the time. You need to be watching for that return because it shouldn't matter to you when it happens. Every day, every hour, every moment, you should be living faithfully to Christ. We know that we don't do that perfectly but thankfully, we can do it faithfully. And thankfully, the blood of Jesus forgives us of our sins and we can be walking in the light, as 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 calls us to do. Lots of parables, lots of stories, the parable of the talents or the bags of gold um, that Jesus talked about using the gifts that you have uh, in order to spread the message of Christ, the love of Christ with others so that when he does return and calls us into account for how we've used what he has given us, the gifts he's given us, we'll be ready, we'll be okay because we were watching for that and we were actively prepared for that. Uh, the uh, virgins that were unprepared when the bridegroom came and needed um, uh, uh, more uh, uh, more light, more oil in their lamps, um, We used to sing a song years ago when I was in the youth group in San Antonio at the wonderful Lackland Terrace Church of Christ. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Of course, I wrote a verse for that that said, uh, what was it? Give me gas for my ford, keep me running to the Lord. Okay, well, that's enough of that. But being ready, that's what that parable of Jesus was all about. It was about being ready, uh, having that extra oil on hand because you don't know when he's going to come. And whenever that is, if it's a short time or a long time, you'll be ready. Why? Because you're being watchful. Be devoted uh, to God in prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, Let's talk about being thankful for just a moment. Uh, What a great calling that is. Uh, This, everything stems from gratitude, I believe. That great passage of scripture that we have looked at several times and have called a theme verse in Colossians, Colossians 3 verse 17, that everything we say, and everything that we do is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. Uh, we're called to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude and that thankfulness and gratitude isn't an end in itself. It moves us to act. It moves us to act based on the things that we have been given that we are so very grateful and thankful for be devoted in prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, that great passage that starts out in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice, let your gentleness be known uh, to all. And he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your hearts. Present your requests to God, offer your prayers to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Very, very much the same thing that we mentioned earlier. Uh, in Colossians 3 and in Colossians 4 Uh, and that verse in John 16 verse 33 where Jesus says, I'm telling you this so that you'll have peace. Your peace doesn't depend on the absence of conflict. It doesn't depend on whether or not people like what you say. It doesn't depend on whether the door is opened for you to share about the Lord or whether the door is slammed in your face. Jesus says a lot of times that is what's going to happen, but that doesn't have to take away your peace. And it won't if you are continuing to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude to God and through that gratitude, watchfulness in prayer. Uh, we see that in that great passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 18, where it talks about uh, being ready, praying constantly, giving thanks. All of those things that that uh, the Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians to do and tells us to do as well. Uh, to rejoice in the Lord always, to pray constantly and without ceasing, and to always give thanks to the Lord. Uh, Romans 12 verse 12, I mentioned that earlier, says this, Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And so let's talk for a moment about the last one of these three, which is actually the first one. Be devoted. Devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, Being watchful and thankful, but devote yourselves to prayer. Prayer is such an important thing in the life of the Christian. And if you've heard me preach and teach before, you know what I'm about to say. Uh, the greatest commandment, the greatest teaching of scripture that calls us to pray are two simple words. Jesus prayed. And if the Son of God himself, God made flesh, the word became flesh, as John 1 says. Uh, if, if Jesus himself felt the need to pray and to remain connected with the Father, how can I not? How can we not pray and go before uh, the Father? I've uh, preached before a lot about prayer, saying things like this, prayer without action is dead. There's a lot of people that say, oh, all I hear from you Christians is thoughts and prayers. Well, that's not enough. And I agree with them. That's not enough. It is is significant and it is absolutely important and essential. And if that's all you can do for others, but for many of us, we have the opportunity to act on those prayer needs as well. And we should be willing uh, to do that. Uh, it's called the Book of Acts, <laughs> not the Book of Thoughts and Prayers. And I again, I don't want to, I don't want to slight uh, offering up prayers. We're called here to be devoted in prayer. And I'm, I'm sharing you these few minutes in this lesson, because I'm so committed to us praying, uh, because Jesus prayed, and because we need to pray. But that prayer needs to lead us to action. Of course it does. And yet action without prayer is my will, not God's. If I'm not seeking the will of God through prayer, then when I do get up to act and to serve and to help, then I don't have the blessing of that guiding hand of the Lord. Remember what Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. That great Hilary Scott, the Scott family song, uh, thy will be done. Boy, it's a powerful, powerful statement. And it's a scary thing to pray when you turn yourself loose for God to act uh, for you. And yet that's what Jesus did. He did it constantly in his life. So many times when Jesus prayed at the very beginning of his ministry in Matthew 4, uh, spending 40 days and nights in prayer and fasting before being tempted. Um, In Luke chapter 6, he spent the night in prayer before choosing and calling his 12 apostles. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Uh, Luke 11, uh, the disciples see him praying and they ask, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Luke's gospel, that's the motivation uh, for the Lord's prayer being given in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 9, he was on the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. Uh, praying. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says Jesus prayed often, went off and off by himself uh, to pray. And we remember the great high priestly prayer that John records in John 17, perhaps a part of the prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he was killed. And we know in Mark 14 and in other passages, that prayer in Gethsemane, where Jesus made that exact statement saying, If it's possible, take this cup from me, yet not my will, thy will be done. That's what prayer does. Prayer is an active confession that we are submitting ourselves to the will of the Father. We are praying for his will to be done in our lives. And Jesus did that to his dying breath. Because in Luke chapter 23 verse 46 from the cross, he prayed, Father, into thy hands I commit My spirit. Jesus Himself, the Son of God, telling the Father, It's all you. It's all you. Just as He did in the garden, Thy will be done. uh, Just as He did throughout His life. Jesus prayed. And if Jesus prayed, how can we not be devoted to prayer? That's what Colossians 4, verse 2 says Devote yourselves to prayer, to being watchful, and to being thankful. The first century church was a church of conviction, but it was a church that prayed. It was a church that relied on the Lord and not on its own power, but on the power of the Holy Spirit, on the power that God gives us through our lives of prayer. I hope and pray that as we look ahead to Thursday's lesson that you'll join me again because we're just getting started with this great passage in Colossians 4 verses two through six, the call to be devoted in prayer, to be watchful and to be thankful is just the beginning. Because as we read earlier in the verses that follow, uh, Paul prays that Christ would open doors for him and that should be our prayer as well. But we say that prayer, not for our own glory or self-satisfaction, but we pray that prayer so that God's message, the gospel, can be shared. We pray that prayer so that Jesus Christ can be proclaimed. We've seen that throughout the book of Colossians. We see it in so many other places as well. And this is where we'll begin our lesson on Thursday. We'll read those verses again, Colossians 4 verses 2 through 6 and then we'll once again hear that call to pray and that call for God to open doors for us to share his message and his love with others and remind each other of that call to be watching and to be ready when God answers that prayer. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday.